0: American Spirit was the one that felt good to write. The other ones, American Sniper and American Wife were really difficult. So Memorial edition of American Sniper was good because it was stories about Chris in the back that other people didn't know. And that was important to me that they saw that. American Gun was Chris's book that he was working on before he died. And that was painful because it should have been his and I was trying to finish it for him. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean American wife, it's funny because people do think that it should have been cathartic and it wasn't. It was painful. Both of those books were really painful. David Goggins, same thing. Like he said, my book, it's painful. It's painful to talk about. You know, it's not healing. And you're you're rehashing it, but it's important. It is important.
1: This is episode one hundred with Taya Kyle. You're listening to American Snippets, the all American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better. And make an impact. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. Once again, my name is Dave Brown. I'm a real estate investor and lifestyle entrepreneur, and the co host here, along with my partner. Gold Star Wife, author and speaker, Barbara Allen. And if you're new to the show, it's our goal each week to bring you stories that will not only inspire you, but stories that will propel you into action in your own life. These are inspiring stories and interviews from social media influencers, uh, celebrities, veteran entrepreneurs, business owners, leaders, you name it, just everyday exceptional Americans who are giving back both in business and everyday life, giving back to their communities And whether they are celebrities or small-town heroes, each of our guests is a shining example of the American spirit. And today's guest is no exception. They fully embody the American spirit. They actually just wrote a book called The American Spirit. And our guest today is Taya Kyle. Uh, she is uh, a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, again, the wife of Chris Kyle. She's a former Fox News contributor, and she has a brand new book out called American Spirit. And if you want to win, if you want to win a copy of the book, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, go to our American Spirits podcast, and leave us a review. Take a screenshot of that review, post it on Instagram with the hashtag American Spirit Book. We're going to select five winners. We'll DM you if you're a winner and get your address and mail you out your free copy of American spirit. Taya Kyle is someone we highly respect and admire. Uh, She's a friend, and we are just super grateful that she decided to be on our show for our 100th episode. Uh, Six years since tragedy found her, Taya Kyle has experienced the worst and the best of humanity. The worst has brought its top guns into the battle to destroy her, but she's got faith as her ammo. And it's always been the stronger weapon. To the world, he was Chris Kyle, the American sniper. He was the invincible Navy SEAL who'd been put in the spotlight for his record-setting number of confirmed kills and the book and movie that told his story. To Taya, he was her husband, her best friend, and the father of her children. Taya is blunt and seemingly fearless in her openness about the struggles and the reality behind the scenes. She is unflinchingly honest about the man behind the myth and fiercely protective of his name. She's best known for her intensely inspiring talks, her moving books, and the work she does through the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation. You you may have seen her as a regular contributor on Fox News or in any of the numerous interviews she's given. So listen in as Taya opens up and takes us with her behind the scenes of her very public life and shares how faith and humor have gotten her through the aftermath of losing the man she loves. Now, without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Taya Kyle. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast.
2: Hi there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I am your co-host, Barb Allen. Now, we know that this country is packed with extraordinary people, and we love introducing them to you, which is why we are doing what we do. Their stories are inspirational. Their messages can add huge value to life, to your life, if you apply those lessons that they so openly and freely share with all of us. Today's guest is someone whose stories and message had a profound impact on my own life and whose friendship I now cherish. Taya Kyle is the widow of Chris Kyle, the Navy SEAL that most people know as the American Sniper. Their story is beautifully told in the book and the movie by that name, and Taya has gone on to write other books, American Wife and the American Spirit. Pay attention because at the end of this interview, I'm gonna tell you how we will send you a free copy of those if you're interested in getting one, we're going to send one out to you. But you got to listen to the end of the interview and wait till I tell you how. Taya is continuing Chris's legacy of serving others, and she builds her own legacy of selfless service as well through her work at the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation. Taya, you have done zillions of interviews, you have shared your story in books. From stages across the country, you have had a movie made about your life and your loss and your struggle. And you've done that from almost the world, from almost the moment that your world was just like yanked out from underneath you. But you managed to do it with like such a poise and grace that you show to people. And even in your honesty, that you may think you're like ugly crying, it still comes off. Graceful somehow. I don't know. It's a talent. They should teach it in widow school, but they don't. (laughs) Widow school. (laughs) But you have it. And it takes a certain kind of strength and courage to do that. A lot of people have used your example and mentorship to change things in their lives that wind up changing their lives. So does it help you when somebody lets you know how you've impacted them? You know, is there a story or two maybe that you have of a moment where you got to experience that or witness it Mm -hmm. or somebody said something to you about it?
0: Yeah. And first of all, I just want to say that Barb, you and I are so well aligned and I'm thinking widow school, (laughs) there's got to be something there. I don't know if it's a podcast, (laughs) but there's got to be something there. In addition to your, you know, your fiction books, how to rule a widow. I mean, I think we're onto something. Um, And and thank goodness that we're at a place where we can laugh in our lives and that we're years out. Right. So there's one that comes to the top of my mind. And I love this story because I had a speaking engagement in Oklahoma and they were... Paying top dollar and they were advertising. And it was one the other big speakers had gone to. And so I, I went out there thinking, this is going to be really interesting because I didn't know a lot about the group. They put it on and I got there and it was like crickets. You know what I mean? There was just like <laughs> no one in the audience. And I was thinking, they asked, do you want anything to drink or whatever? And I was like, I mean, maybe like just a coffee or something. They're like, oh, we don't actually have any coffee here. Like, I mean, it was just one thing after another. I was like, okay, no, no, no problem. Um, Just water is fine, you know? Um, And so I just remember thinking, I have to call one of my girlfriends at the end and be like, how do you know when your speaking career is over? You know, it's like an event like this where you go, it's it's done, nobody cares. So I had this event and we had a meet and greet beforehand and there was a woman who was in tears and I just kind of loved on her and had this moment with her and talked to her about some stuff. And then I gave my talk. And so when I got back, I think it was, I don't don't remember how much later it was, but I got a letter from her and she was saying, I was the girl who was crying and you changed my life. And what you said was exactly what I needed to hear. I can't, you know, it was just this very profound, you knew that whatever it was, was probably the Holy Spirit speaking to her, not me, because it was something so profound. And I just... I, I thought in that moment, that's why I was there. And here I sit in my, you know, earthly, laughing, worldly way, just going like, well, this is useless. And it's like, it's that story of the starfish, right? Just, it yeah. just is, um, you, you changed something for someone. That's reason enough. It made it all worthwhile. So long-winded story, but I think that in a nutshell is it. It's, we don't always know. And thank goodness she wrote me. That was really a pivotal yeah. moment for me too. But yeah, I think those are the ones that I just think you just never know.
2: Yeah, I you know, and I love that. That's the story that comes to your mind. It's not like, yeah, I was on stage in front of three thousand people, or on this giant show, or like in a parade, or whatever. The ceremony honor me. It was yeah this obscure moment that you thought this is over. No, had no impact. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you thought. I love that. I love that because yeah. there's always like there's just freaking always something, right? You just yeah. to... Yeah, you show
0: up and you just go, wow, wow. Okay, it's (laughs) over.
2: That's it. Yeah, that was it. End of day. (laughs) Fortunately, do you think there's like kind of almost a liberation? I say this a lot, like almost a liberation in going through and coming out the other side of something so awful because you're like, well, you know, I've had worse, experiences than this, you know, so like 100%. Yeah. And you know, it's in
0: the Bible, that thing that says there's great, find great joy in your trials and tribulations. And I was like, that's crap. Who's going to do that? You know? Mm -hmm. And the more that I've had that fall on me, and I think you can relate to this too. You're right. You get this different perspective. You do get this endurance and this strength about you that says, you know, I can actually laugh. Like you and I, Barb, I know we'll talk about the stupid things like, (laughs) you know, top this, this is my day today. kind of thing. (laughs) And we can laugh about it because we know that in the big scheme of things, it's, it's nothing compared to what we already went through. And for me, I oftentimes think, you know, my faith is so strong. And I think if God could see me through that, there's nothing he's not going to see me through. So what do I have to worry about? Really? I can't predict it. You couldn't have predicted what happened to Lou. Lou couldn't have predicted it. Right. I can't predict what, you know, couldn't have predicted what happened to Chris. So if you think about it that way, we have all this anxiety in life, but why? We can't, most of the things we can't predict. I think there have been scientific studies that say 99% of the things we worry about don't actually ever happen. So we're, we're wrecking our lives by thinking about it. We just, in my opinion, just be faithful No, know God will see you through it, whatever it is, you know?
2: Yeah, I love that. And that brings me to another question. I put this out there, um, you know, on Facebook to our community and I asked people if they had questions for you. And once somebody had a question about faith, so I'm going to jump to that now. Uh, okay. Jen Henderson, she wanted to know, how do you use your faith in order to help combat the symptoms of widowhood, such as anxiety uh, or PTSD? If you have any of that in your life, uh, you know, in other words, do you have any good tips on using your faith to get through this? I think you might've just answered that. Um, you know, in a way I did,
0: but I do love that question because when she says even getting through being a widow, I mean, really, I think there's so many ways that I've used it and I've grown in my faith so much because I did I started when Chris was deploying I started leaning into my faith God take my fear show me how to get through this you know I'm scared or you know God lead my husband to decide if he should deploy again because I can't I can't be responsible for this but I need to trust you more than even him because it, our like human mind how are we supposed to know we don't know the future and so I had to start trusting that way and I found that it did work out the way it was supposed to for us in those times. Right. And I believe that God knew that eventually he would be killed, but it, in those times he was safe. And so there wasn't anything to worry about. Right. And, and I, and some people ask me, why can I, how can I trust in God when he allowed Chris to be murdered? But my view on that is it's free will. And God said, everybody has free will, even people who aren't making just good decisions. So the person who killed Chris, according to psychiatrists, you know, prosecution and defense, he didn't have PTSD. So this was truly an act, a, a, a um, a decision for evil. Right. Yeah. And even if you did have PTSD, it doesn't make people murderers. So, right. um, so going forward with that, I think, okay, the next step then was being a widow and how did God do it? It was those times where I was so broken that I was just crying and saying, I can't, you know, I can't do this. And I could go to God and just go, I don't think I can. And you hear this, you hear this quiet softness somewhere in your soul that just says it's okay. You know, there's something there. And and I believe that's God saying it's okay. And then there were times where I prayed for strength and I would get it. There were tons of times and I still do pray for clarity and guidance. Uh, And more than anything, Barbara, I think this would go to your listeners no matter what they're going through in life I like to plan and I like to be prepared. And there was such a mountain on me at that time, whether it was lawsuits and the movie and the books and everything I was finishing for Chris and my kid's grief and my grief, there was no possible way I could balance all of that. Yeah. And so I started praying like, God, you just bring the things that need to be done today. And, and I trust that you're going to bring the things that need to be done tomorrow. So if I would start doing something that I thought I was supposed to do that day and bang my head on the wall, even just a little bit, I would, I would set it aside and start on something that had like this open door, clear path. And then wouldn't you know that two or three months later, that thing that I'd kind of started to bang my head on, something would fall into place. And in that way, I just thought, whoa, right. That that was life changing for me because I realized that when we have this mountain of stuff and we think we're supposed to do one thing and we just keep pushing and it's just blocked and we keep pushing and we get so frustrated and why and blah, blah, blah if we just, the first time we bang our head, just go, this isn't the open path. That means it's not God because he's not a God of confusion. So then you look for what is the open path, do it. The other thing will still happen. Like you're not actually giving up on it. You're just saying not now it'll be. And to me, that's just, that was probably the biggest thing that I got was not only the strength, but then this thing that still applies in life today that like my children's book I had a date, I had a time, I have gone through so much that is supposed, this children's series is supposed to happen. I know it. Yeah. I've had it on my heart for a long time. And the last thing I was, I, I talked to a group in a uh, college station and I was like, should I, should I try publishing it in December? You know, they say it's the worst time. Should I do it? And they were like, yes. And I'm like, okay, December it is. And then sure enough, something else blocked it. And I was like, okay, every <laughs> single time I've tried like five times this year to release it. So I just decide, okay, then it's not time. And I'm not even worried about it. I just figure Easter next year, it'll be. I mean, for me, that's huge, you know, to not be disappointed, not be upset, not think that it means it'll never happen. I wanted it this year. I wanted it last year and it just hasn't happened. But instead of being devastated or hurt or questioning if it'll ever happen, now I just know it will. I know it will. I've had that seed in my heart for a long time. Not this year.
2: Yeah, that is... That yeah. is huge to be able to sit back and just trust in that process. You know, people make plans and God laughs, they say, you know, yeah. all that. and that that was hard. People ask me, people ask me all the time, like, where, where do you think you're going to be in five years, 10 years? I'm like, dude, I am not going there. Like, I'm yeah. not, I'm going to focus on that. I know, you know, where I'd like to be or where I think I'd like to be right. in five years, but who, I don't know. I'm like, I'm not... I have no idea. I have no idea where I'm maybe like five years, ten years. I'm like, guess what? Neither do you. So, yeah. And they're like, what? You know, <laughs>
0: it's an illusion, but people yeah. are very comfortable with that. Yeah. But and you're yeah, still so they-
2: driven. Like, that's
0: the thing. I know you. You're driven. You know a lot of things that you want to do in this world. So it's not being being in the present does not mean you're not goal oriented. And right. I think that's the other. It's a fine tuning of that concept to say goal oriented. Yes. When it's on your heart and it's a clear path, you know, you go and that never quit mindset, push through the hard times. I get that, but there's a difference. It just, the more you start praying and believing and seeing, you'll start to get that discerning eye for like, it doesn't mean that I'm not goal oriented. Like my children's book will happen. I know that. Yeah. I'm just really disappointed that it's not happening sooner, but I'm still goal oriented and driven. I'm just also allowing for God's time. And I believe that it's always for our benefit.
2: What is the children's book about?
0: Well, I thought you'd never ask.
2: No, I only had to mention it <laughs> 10 times. I know. I, know. <laughs> no, I was going to can... make you sweat it out another minute. No, no, no. I could see you st- <laughs> No, no, no. Okay, for real. I was not going that I angle. Know. Now I'm not even going to say.
0: Oh, come <laughs> on. Just to prove. Okay, no, it's a faith-based series, um, and the, and there's it's it's a 10-book series, and it's about this faithfulness that I saw in my kids with tragedy, they learned these really deep concepts about God and faith and persevering in life. I mean, they have that same strength that you and I have where they just, they just know that it's, it's going to be okay. And so the, the children's book series is the first one, it's prayers for bears and it's prayers for grateful bears is the first one. And it's for like three to five year olds. And there are little, um, I didn't want to do rhymes. I was going to be really artistic, but then the editors were like, "No, no, add some rhymes. You know, do some things." So I did, and it's just uh, it's it's quick prayers for kids that I hope are really catchy and that they can use in their own life and that their parents can use to just pray these conversational prayers that are really cute with their kids. And it starts you start recognizing that gratitude is really simple. We think we have to be grateful for all these other things, but sometimes it's just a roof over your head and food to eat, and we forget that 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 in itself is worth our gratitude.
2: That's awesome. I don't know why I've never like gone in depth with you about these books before. I've heard you mention them. I've never like actually said, you know, what are the books? Um, <laughs>
0: I told so- you it's taking forever. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. I'm so no, I'm kidding. Suck. No, uh, we just but- have more things to talk about. When we get together, it's like a yeah. mile a minute. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I actually, and I will say there, I keep coming across things. I'm like, man, I wish I'd had that, you know, eight years ago, 10 years. And I feel like that's another tool that I wish I would have had but it was 14 years for me now. So, you know, like 13 years ago, 14 years ago with me and my kids, especially, uh, you know, with issues I was going through with the Catholic Church with them. I wanted them to hang on to their faith, but Catholic Church kind of wound up just being too much for me. And yeah. we would just withdrew from it. But there's a difference between religion and faith. And, yes. And, you know, and I just couldn't grasp that. But that's okay, because you know, the other
0: yeah, and I think as a parent, Barb, especially when you're talking about getting through tragedy, yeah. it's really easy to look back and think. I mean, every parent looks back and thinks, I wish I would have known, right? Right. <clears throat> but I always go back to we were never designed to be the perfect parent anyway. That just it's impossible. And you know, hindsight is 2020 because you have that experience, but going into it you don't. And so I think the cool thing is that even if that was your experience then, I feel like God knew that was gonna be the experience and he's not deserting anybody. And so there's always this second chance later in life to, to do things differently. And I find with my kids, I mean, I've, I've done things that I thought in my grief, I've ruined something and I can never go back to that time and do it over. And it breaks my heart. Yeah. And I've even prayed about that. I've said like, God, I think I ruined this. And I said, can you forgive me? And can you fix it? You know, especially with my daughter, there was something that it was really breaking my heart and it didn't occur to me to pray about it at first. And I said, I did this and I carry this and I, I ache and I'm angry and I'm hurt that I did this. And, um, it was just, it was just a mentality I had with her basically. So it wasn't just one event. It was a mentality that I realized, Oh my gosh, I've done this wrong. What have I done? And so I just prayed. I'm like, can you forgive me? Can you take it from her? The damage that I've done and can you please repair it? And I'm telling you, Barb, like I didn't, you know, I didn't know. I just asked, I didn't know this was going to be like, can you do this? I mean, i have seen you do other things, but can you even correct something I did? he did it, dude. I'm telling you within like two or three months, all of a sudden I saw a change in her as if I had never screwed that up for years. You know what yeah. I mean? And I went, oh my, I mean, it gives me chills to talk about it now. I was like, yeah, cause she's his kid first, you know? And he didn't want her to be hurt by it. It's so anyway, if that's an encouragement to parents everywhere, I just think we ache when we know we did something we didn't mean to do or yes. we weren't equipped to do but it doesn't mean that it's over because the timeline that I should have done that with her was much earlier. It shouldn't have worked right. to about it later. And it did. Yeah, I was just like, whoa, I mean,
2: you know, <laughs> mind-blowing, yeah. Yeah, that, that is, a, and you actually jumped ahead and answered another question I was going to ask, but that's great because you covered it, you know, helping parents through grief and how do you do that? I mean, you guys, I, when I read your book, American Wife, I had to stop and start and stop and start A, because it's beautifully written, but B, there are times our stories have so many things yeah. that overlap. So sometimes I felt like I was reading my own and going through my own thing. Um, so, you know, hard for me, but beautifully written. But I mean, you were, I, I've i said, I feel like I kissed my husband and sent him off to die, right? Because yeah. I kissed him and 10 days later, he was I was like, okay, goodbye, honey. Go to this person who's yeah. in Iraq, literally plotting at this moment to kill you. Like, you know, Um yeah. And so I've often, and then I look at your story. I'm like, you literally kissed your husband goodbye, and you know, and he went to, yeah. and but you, and then you were just like thrown in this immediate spotlight. I mean, I was too, but it was like temporary, and it came and went. It was more about the trial, you know. But you were just like, like you got up one day, and it was a normal day, and you went to bed, and you had this great day. Things gonna be great, and then bah, boom, like everything, and you, you didn't have nobody gave you time to like breathe or catch your breath, or right. and it seems like from that's never let up it's yeah. just gotten more intense and more so and a lot of it's positive and some of it is not um and you know how do you deal with that how do you because on the flip side of the positive stuff and the people who adore you and, and love what you do and and that's not to say like everyone knows you're you're human right i don't think there's anyone saying am i like i got tell you it's like i made you know like she's not this not a human being right but right. but you the way you deal with your human frailties and all that is what, what gets people. But how do you deal with the flip side of it where people, you know, I've seen some of the things written, you know, comments about it. I've had people approach me and say, "Are oh, you friends with Taya. Let me tell you this about her. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my good Lord. Like, like, yeah, like uns, unsolicited, you know, yes. just like, like it's like they find me in a crowd and so yes. I got to tell you, I'm like, oh, hi, nice to see you. I haven't seen you in a year and a half, but like, this is how they greet me, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. But uh, how, do, how, how do how do you like take a breath and do with that? How have you dealt with that? Has there been a period in these years where you've just been like, like I need to step back and like breathe and, and not have that around me?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it is a great question. And I think, you know, I look at so many things before Chris died and I thought there was this preparation again, you know, I'm sorry to keep bringing it back to God, but I really, that's how I see it. And that's how yeah. I survived. It's the truth. It's, you know, I feel like God knew this was coming and he prepared me in small doses for years in advance. He didn't want it to happen. I believe that. And I believe that he prepared me in little bits cause he knew what was coming. So for Chris, I remember, you know, I, part of the reason I think I was able to just keep walking when it happened is that I watched Chris do it. And we went through a lot of those beginning stages together with this yeah. book. And I learned from him a lot of just grace and humility, and um, the way that he handled himself was was a really unique learning experience for me. And on the flip side, I also realized when I saw hateful comments about him that were so far from the truth, my hands would start shaking, my heart would just start pounding out of my chest, and I felt like this vitriol, like, you know, like, I mean, I wanna slay people. How dare you? You know, you're so far off the mark. And I realized in that moment and talking through some of that stuff for him, that there are going to be those people who hate always. I don't, you know, it's just going to happen. And at that time, my son was very sad. He was in elementary school. He came home and he's a, he's a tough kid and he doesn't really, it's really cool. He actually doesn't take other people's opinions on board when they're negative. He doesn't even notice sometimes Mm -hmm. when people are being like, you know, (laughs) manipulative or weird but he said, you know, they're making fun of me for my socks. And I said, what's wrong with your socks? I mean, we go to Walmart, we get basic tube socks. You know what I mean? Like they're black. Like everybody else is like, what's the, they weren't the right brand. Right. At that time, I think it was like the Nike, something that I don't know, whatever it was, they were like $30 a pair or something ridiculous. And I remember sitting with him and I said, I said, do you, you know that, um, people love daddy and we we're, we're gone a lot. People are standing in line. We kept them away from that for the most part, but yeah, I do. And I said, do you think there's anyone who wouldn't love him or look up to him or respect him in some way, and he's like, No, right. And I said, There are people, and they see really horrible things, and that's just a part of life. And I, I was telling my son, I'm like, You know, you're handsome, you're athletic, you're smart, you have all these things going for you. And for some people, that evokes hate, and they want to bring that down a notch. And I talked about the kid specifically who was doing it. Great kid, I know the family, but you know, he was there was a lot of. Bad, there was a lot of hardship in that family that he was taking the hit for, and so you know I just explained to my son he's trying to he doesn't like the fact that you're in a good place and he's not and he's just trying to find his way and he's not maybe even doing it to be hateful it's just an instinct thing whatever so which by the way I think it's funny that my son wears like crazy socks now it's hilarious like he just finds like the <laughs> most you know anyway um, and I don't even know if he makes that connection I I talked to him about it and he's like no I guess I do but I don't know why anyway. Um, it's, I think that's a form of acceptance, right? Like, yeah. I don't care. Make fun of me. Do that, do that. And, and so with that being said, I do feel that way today. It, it wasn't always easy, Barb, because there were people that did such, um, powerful evil attacks or like some people would drop a legal document, let's say, right. Yeah. On legal letterhead and put it out there. And people who don't know say "Well, it's on lawyer's letterhead. It must mean it's true. No, it doesn't. <laughs> what happened in the court case? What happened afterwards? Yeah. Did they pursue it? Like, but, but I'm saying that because I say it's to that level. It's not just comments. Right. It's literally people creating something they want to create and throwing it into the world to try to, I don't know, right? I, I don't know, but I, I'll, I'll kind of end with this because I know I'm yeah. going on, but it was a big That's deal cool. for a long time. And I think you can relate to this and maybe some of your listeners will too. I kept thinking, you see me on the outside. I've gotten dressed, probably put on my makeup in the car, you know, as a passenger or whatever. And you think I'm okay. But what I see is I'm gutted. Somebody has yeah. literally sliced a knife down the inside of my chest and stomach and I'm gutted and bleeding out on the sidewalk. And you're walking by me and, and like stepping on me with yeah. a stiletto heel. Like, yeah. you know, I just thought, how? why would you do this right now? Do you not know I mean, is is this not people? I, I look at I'm
2: like
0: I'm shattered, but people. Don't really but that was a long time, and I think when I look back now, where some of them were so personal and from people that I thought were friends or trustworthy, or I, I, that I, I, yeah, I mean, I there were many days where I just, yeah, I was crushed, and now today I go, wow, what a neat lesson because it was really. I feel sort of immune to that stuff. I feel like, go ahead, yeah. do it. I mean, you know, I'm still going to keep right. going. And I, that to me is a huge blessing because that, that's not something I could have said a decade ago, like say whatever you want about me. It's okay. I don't mind. You're not going to ruin me. You know, Right.
2: that is a really hard lesson to learn. And I hope everybody paid close attention to that because it is, and I know a lot of people that we're in, in touch with, you know, within our community and like who approaches us outside. That's one of the things that can hold people back is what people say about, especially if it's somebody close to you, that Mm -hmm. it's somebody close to you that's waging an attack on you, or it's somebody close to you that is having an attack waged on them. You know, it can, it can get inside you and chew you up and it can completely derail everything that you believe that you're doing. So and Barb, I want to yeah. I wanna touch on that because when yeah. you say derail, that's actually
0: one of the biggest points of all of this. I think I do think that's like a dark realm type of attack because yeah. there are so many things that I could be saying about those people to reveal truths or right. other people that have done things that I mean are jaw-dropping, like people that use Chris's name to promote what they're doing, but they have behind the scenes. Slayed him and tried to bring him down, even after he's been dead. And I could come out and say all of that. And trust me, I think about it. And I go, "What's the difference between vengeance, which is not mine, and just saying the truth? Maybe that's just the truth, and I should just say it." But I go, "You know what? That puts my eye on that instead of the good things I'm trying to do." And that is that will probably continue to be a struggle for a little while. Although I think I've come a long way with it. Is to say, I do know the truth. It doesn't mean that I have to speak it, you know, God knows the truth too. And other people figure it out. Eventually you don't have to warn people off. You know, it, it
2: just like, no, they get to be them and eventually
0: people will see it. You know, it's,
2: so it's hard so, to do. It's yeah. so. I, I think it's something that takes some of the most discipline to do. Is to it not does. just like you're backed in the corner and not to just like, whomp, like come yeah. right back out. You know. Yeah, you're it like goes, they're
0: saying that about me. Let me tell you the truth. You know. Yeah, I'm yeah,
2: like, yeah. Oh, oh, no, you didn't. Like that yeah, kind exactly, of. Yeah, I'll <laughs> tell you <something>. Yeah, <laughs> you're holding my beer. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> Yeah. So it's a huge amount of discipline to do that, and sometimes less really is more. And and I think that is a a great example of what, you know, you go where you, where you focus your energy and do you want that energy? I'm like, look, you you know, you're already in so much pain. You already have so much frustration, anxiety, fear, doubt, and all that. Like, why would you play into that? Like, why would you right. feed into that? You know, it just right. kind of go, but it your peace and it takes away. Yeah. Like, that's the other thing I think as an only parent. And I, yeah.
0: you know, sometimes when people say they're a single parent, yeah. I go, yeah, but that's like a joint custody situation yes. sometimes when you're an yeah. only parent, it's different. And so there is no break. Right. Yeah. And, um, and it's
2: lonely and terrifying Yeah, and all that. Yeah. And so I
0: need peace because what I want my kids to remember is a happy upbringing, regardless yes. of, of tragedy, right? So yes, we have that. We've acknowledged it. we work through it. We do therapy, you know, I get it, but what I wanted them to have, and what I still have some impact on is happy home life growing up. And so if I entertain those things, and if I develop the the strategic plan to go out and speak truth and, you know, do these things against other people, I don't have as happy a home life, which is part of the reason why I didn't fight some things earlier that I could have fought. I prayed about it. I asked friends and they're like, Taya, like, you know, especially at that time, like, you know, four or five years ago, like, you you know, I was smoking a pack a day, you know what I'm saying? Hiding in secrets when my kids didn't see me, you know, trying to breathe, feeling like my throat was closing. Like, and I'm like, well, I'm going to fight because it's right. And, you know, and just saying like, no, because what does that do to me when I come home at night? Am I really
2: able to hang it up?
0: No. right? You know? Yeah.
2: Hard, hard, hard lesson to learn, yeah, so, yeah, but I'm glad. Great. I can see you, you know, like you can see when you're, when you're like light up, when you, when you talk about yeah. your children's books, when you talk about your kids and that's the difference. And even when you're talking about the things that are like terrible and awful, like every, you know, like your whole body language, you, body you, know, yeah. you know, and it's just, it's just so um, representative of what it does to us on the, on the outside at all. I have a talk now about Chad Littlefield and his yeah. friendship with Chris. I'm so lucky that I get to know his family a little as well. They're such sweet people. They and really are. I just adore them. And, you know, we got to tell Chad's story a while back through them. But, yeah. you know, tell us quickly, uh, you know, or not quickly if you want, you know, about, about the friendship they had um, because, you know, Chad was also killed with Chris mm-hmm. and, you know, it's two lives for... Yeah for you know, just ridiculous reasons. So right. yeah, just tell a little bit about, about their friendship and let people get to know Chad.
0: Yeah, and it's a great question. And by the way, you're a great interviewer because I think you have this depth to you that's really cool. And you kind of uh, hit the points that maybe not everybody else would see. But when you asked me the question, you asked me specifically, tell me about the type of friend he was, You know, not just who is Chad. And that's the most important question because it's something that your listeners can use in their own life, I think he knew. So his wife and I were friends on the soccer field and we introduced our husbands and there was this easy way about him that he just showed up. And in the end, isn't that what we need when we're going through a hard time? And Chris was still adjusting, you know, and he was still coming through, but the person he wanted around was Chad, not because Chad had the perfect words, not because Chad entertained him or made him laugh. Right. It was because he was the type of guy that would just show up and he took you as he came, you know? So if they were laughing, he was laughing if, if Chris needed help, like they were doing stuff to do like a charity event or something, you know, Chad didn't go and say, dude, let me help. Let me help. What can I do? You know what I mean? He was just like, he showed up and he would look around and he would take care of stuff or he would be standing there. And like, if Chris would say, Hey, do you like, he's on it? You know what I'm saying? And so it's this really cool balance of being humble, quiet supporter. And then right there to laugh, right there to talk, right there to do whatever, you know, they would weightlift in the mornings. And I remember, you know, that's a really big deal. And it's a hard thing when you're feeling, and you know, this Barb, when you're feeling like your soul is crushed to get the energy to do physical things is so hard. And so, uh, I, I was telling Chad, I said, you know, look, Chris is always happier when he works out, but our garage where we lived, we had just moved in, not that much, you know, I I've said, Hey, maybe we could get the garage cleaned out. He's not going to feel like doing that, you know, to get the weight set, ready to go. So Chad, can you come over and help me get the weight set ready? And he did. And then they worked out in the mornings, you know, it was like, it didn't really matter what you were asking. He had this depth where he could see why it mattered. And then there would be times where he'd just show up, but he didn't, you know, he didn't outstay his welcome either. Right. He'd bring like some fast food and they'd sit and just laugh. And, and, and the other thing, which I think is interesting, you know, Chris had a level of fame at some point, you know, during their friendship but he, Chris wasn't the type of guy that wanted that or wanted people to know that. I mean, he didn't even want to write the book. It's a whole other story, but you know, Chad would have this way of laughing about it. Like, like, dude, you know, something about I'm with the American sniper, you know, yeah. talking about guns, like what is my life, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. thing. briefly, he'd acknowledge it and laugh about it. And then it was like, but he was just Chad. I, I don't know another way to describe it, except that he was a very tall man. He was a big man. He had this teddy bear quality to him. But he also had this strength that was just, and you know, Barb, this is interesting too. Not a lot of people know this, but I remember Chris saying, and that's why I think our our path is written in our soul, knows things, but it's not worth worrying about because we can't predict what that feeling is. Chris told me a couple months before they were killed, he said, you know, I feel like Chad's the type of friend who would take the bullet for me. And I was like, really? I said, don't you think that's kind of hard? Yeah, I know. I said, don't you think that's kind of (laughs) hard? To um, yeah. Yeah. to say for somebody who hasn't been in combat, like you never know. And he goes, "I just have this feeling." And then Chris, uh, Chad's parents told me later that Chad said to his parents, "I love that guy." He said, "I would take a bullet for Chris." Oh man! And I was like, "What?" I mean, all within three wow. months of both of them, yeah, you know, dying. And there's something in that that's just beautiful and divine that says to you, you know, for his parents, like, would they ever think, "I wish." Chad hadn't been friends with Chris. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. And I don't know that they've ever thought that. I've never thought that. Cause if you saw them together, you knew it was just meant to be right. It was just, and, and Chris had other friends that were great. Yeah. There's just something that was so perfect there. And, um, it just reminds me, it doesn't, sorry, I don't, but yeah. it doesn't matter sometimes how long, you know, somebody, Something things yeah. just work. I mean, the minute I met you, we were yeah. friends and we were laughing yeah. and crying and, and I've met a lot of widows. It's not that. There's something else that it's like your soul is meant to cross paths with this person. Yeah. And you know it when you see it. And that was the kind of friend they were. And there's something about you know them being taken together and making that journey to the other side that just kind of makes sense. Because Chris had his way in his faith. Chad had his way in his faith. He talked to his parents a couple months before he died about just being like so right with God. And you know there are just so many things that they left us with this um, peace about where they are and how that journey might've gone and that they were together in some way. And, you know, it's for, for something to be so horrific, I think it's, there's some, there's some beauty sprinkled in, you know, that, that,
2: I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. No, I love that you said that. Thank you. I'm sorry yeah. to, to. No, that's no, okay. It's all, you know, we know how to compartmentalize. I'm going to put that in the chest in my heart, and I'm going to look back. I know, I know, but I think it's beautiful, and and thank you for for sharing yeah. that. I know, I it is not easy to do that, but. Thank you. Yeah, uh, of course. Well, it's your question, girl. <laughs> All right, I'm going to switch tactics a little. Um, something a little less serious, but I, I gotta Thank ask. You. I, Thank yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's serious but not like some like. Yeah. Bradley's eyes are that blue. Is that what you were going to yeah. ask? No, because oh. I've heard you say that before. I'm a little yes. jealous. I get new okay. material. Your eyes are too,
0: though. So you know,
2: <laughs> I don't have Bradley Cooper eyes. Yeah, okay. yours are awesome. All right. What was it freaking like to stand there on CNN's town hall on guns, like feet away from <laughs> President Obama and Anderson Cooper? And you're like, well, how about we think about it like this? And Anderson interrupts you. You're like, hold, please. I'll be done in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. She just gave Anderson Cooper the hand, said, no, yeah. just chill out, buddy. Like, And then you just rattled off the rest of the question and stood there. What? talk about that moment, that experience, what drove you to be there? How you got the question? What was that like? Did you get any like fallout from that?
0: Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. So Anderson was one of those guys that was just, he's so personable and warm and amazing. when I first met him and he was one of the, again, maybe it's just like this divine thing. And I'll tell you why I think it's divine. But when I first met him, we did this interview and he said, if there's ever anything I can do for you, let me know. And I have no idea. I did not ask this of other people, but I was like, cause what, what am I going to ask him? You know what I'm saying? There's nothing, I don't know, but I just really liked him and he had this warmth. And I said, um, do you have an assistance number or somebody that I could get? In? I don't know why I even asked. Like I said, I think it's divine. And he goes, uh, and he, he turns over a card and writes his cell phone number on it. And he said, just call me. And I was like, Whoa. Right. He doesn't know me well enough to do that. And yeah. yet he's so warm and And so I really liked him. Well, then, um, fast forward to at American sniper premiere, there was, I didn't have, they, they weren't looking to put me in the media at all, you know, and that's fine. I, you know, but we went to this thing that Anderson was the moderator and Clint was there, Clint Eastwood, Bradley, Cooper, Sienna Miller, Jason Hall. And, um, uh, Gail King, Barbara Walters, like all these, you know, all the who's who kind of in New York. And it was this, and Anderson was moderating. And he said, I think Taya should be up there on the panel. And I was like, you, what? You know what I mean? And everybody else was like, okay, well, I mean, if Anderson wants it. And I know, cause I know later they were like, oh my gosh, this is going to go one of two ways. Right. And it's an important <laughs> movie and it's before it really yeah, releases. Yeah. And so there were a couple of questions that, you know, it was, there were natural answers for me that played well. And from that point on, they were like, okay, book her on this, 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 like put her out there. Right. And so he was very pivotal in that too. And it was just his instinct, I guess. And he's been doing this a long time. So he sees something, I guess. And, um, and so, and, and, you know, kind of like you, you see what's interesting to you and you want that. And I think he knew that having the wife up there would be interesting. And so, so he did that. And then he called about the, the town hall gun or some of his people called or whatever. And then I thought about it and I prayed about it. And I talked to somebody who's totally against guns for hours and hours and hours before that to get a really deep understanding and try to think, where is the truth? You know, where is from, from both sides have passionate feelings. Where is the truth? And I kind of got to that. I talked to some friends in the NRA about some statistics. I really wanted to hit everything I could find. And, and I, when I finally came up with what I wanted to say, I was, I was going to say it, right? Like I put a lot of thought into this. And, uh, I remember right before I was going on, they handed me a microphone and Barb, my heart started to pound. I mean, as if, I I mean, I really thought you could see my shirt, like in a cartoon, like just boom. (laughs) boom, And the more it would do that, the more I was like, Oh my God, what's happening? What's happening? Why is it, you know what I mean? And I thought this is, this is, this is bad, right? Like I'm not, And because it wasn't just, honestly, here's the deal. I had met President Obama before and I didn't have that feeling at all. It was, I think also that I was in a room full of people who were so emotional because they had a lot of people whose loved ones were killed in a gun violence thing. And they showed up with buttons and banners. And I was like, I'm going to go say something in front of people who have lost a loved one who may not agree with me and are very passionate. It was just an emotionally charged. I can't, the energy was just ridiculous. So I I did, I prayed, I tried to take deep breaths. And then when I got up, it was like, I don't even know who was standing there. I was just like, you know what I mean? It was like all all of that together. And then, yeah, Anderson tried to say something. I'm like, buddy, hang on a second. This is is happening right here. I, I was like- I think yeah. that was
2: one of my favorite things I've seen you do. You're just yeah.
0: Like, no. <laughs> I see, and the funny thing is, I didn't even know I did
2: that until I know, and you yeah. could tell it was just yeah. like you were just like on the phone, like you yeah. were just like there was just no stopping you. But, yeah, but yeah, you were like didn't... an asshole about it. You know, you were just yeah, yeah. like yeah, you just like said what you had to say. You got the point across eloquently, and, and well, thank you, and. and
0: it was funny because the people who went before me, we were told it was going to be, we say something, he says something, we say something. Okay. But the people who went before me, they didn't get a chance. He, the president said something, they didn't get to say anything back. So right. that's another re- reason why I was like, oh no, then it's all coming out now. Because <laughs> I know I'm not going to get <laughs> This is it. Funny, 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 I love
2: it. A lesson there to seize the opportunity. And if you're passionate about something dialed in and you're prepared, you can't just go up to a yeah. forum like that. It's so important for you and be like, I don't know, like, you know, this is just because, because I say Kyle and I say so, you know, like you stood there and you backed it up and preparation and, you know, it's so important. Yeah, I agree. Um, All right. So now we're just going to keep like bouncing all over because I got questions we got to get to and I know know time is running out. So you ready? Here we go. What does patriotism mean to you?
0: So I'm going to give the quick answer here. I think patriotism is... This understanding that we have freedom that other countries don't have. Patriotism is being not so egocentric and looking around and saying, what does this freedom actually afford me? That's why I wrote American Spirit, because people are using their freedom to do really good things. It's not just political debate. So for me, it's knowing that your story is alive in that flag and that you ought to do something with your freedom for good.
2: Excellent. Speaking of American Spirit, thank you for including... Me and uh, Dan, Dave in it. Uh, oh God, and, that and, so <laughs> we we stand name. We called him Dan oh. and American Snippets. I love it. And but you know, honestly, I mean, it was the huge surprise for us to to be in it. And, and thank you, super sweet. No, I of you. It to be in it. Yeah. Um, so where did you get those stories? Like, how did you? It's hard. And like, this is exactly what we do here. And we know for right. people were like, like, why are you? Gonna, you're just going to tell good stories, and like, people are going to like it. I'm like, yes, they are. You know. And, yeah. um, but. So where did you get, did you know these people all personally? You have a ton of people in there and it's yeah. so cool. It's so cool to like dig back and see all these stories. Uh, but yeah, how, how did they come across your radar?
0: Yeah, I think people like you and I know that when life is really hard, you need some positivity. Yeah. And you need to know that other people can survive too. And so this is sort of, you know, this, this love letter really to the country to say like they're right there they're right there. They may not be on the news, but these people are here. I think it's why you do it too. And there were people that I came across while I was out traveling the country. And I was thinking, these things are happening all over the country. This is amazing. Why do more people not know about this? Why are they not being spotlighted in the paper and the news? And so it was just my way of saying, people need to see this. Like, this is amazing. And so that was just my answer is I'm going to write it and we're going to put it out there. I don't know if it's going to sell or not, but it's, i and i I just was having a conversation yesterday it may not have been the right name because i don't know that people understand what is the american spirit but if i that's exactly why it is the right name okay yeah yeah because i'm like it's it's like overcoming this is overcomers, right this is yeah yeah, i don't know but i just want more people to to trust me it's good it's kind of thing right like trust me you want this
2: yeah how what is the feedback you're getting from it
0: when people read
2: it, it's really good. I think
0: getting people to buy it or download the audio, that's the difficult part because I think we're in such a hurry these days that we go, well, I don't really know what that is. And I'm not looking, you know, but there's something for everyone. And so when I get feedback of people who are affected by it, it's usually, I read this and I was able to inspire somebody else going through a hard time, or this really got me thinking, or, you know, it's those kind of things. And that's, that's what the hope was. One guy, I know it, you know, he was feeling suicidal and it changed things for him. So
2: see, so, I mean, if you heard from nobody, but that one person, right. right, you know, That's exactly um, it. Yep. And, and that's huge. But I imagine there are more people out there you know, who feel that way. And I would encourage anyone who's read it to reach out, let Taya know, yeah. you know, how, how it impacts you. And since we're on the topic now, all you got to do for me and Dave to send you a free copy is, uh, Put a review on iTunes about this episode. That's it. Take a screenshot, take a screenshot, email it to us. Let us know you put the review up. And the first 10 people that do that, we're going to send you the ebook copy of either American Wife or American Spirit, whichever one you want. So that's how they do that. Awesome, um, good idea. Yeah. And if they really woo us into it and lure us and do a good job, maybe I'll send them the actual hard copy too. But they gotta work for it. They gotta work for that one.
0: Yeah, you gotta earn stuff. This is you not a free ride stuff. here on American snippets.
2: <laughs> no, we're not we don't want people to just be inspired. We want them, you know, to Yeah, take like action. tell us.
0: Use Act. the words. Yes. Yes.
2: Inspiration yeah. without action, we say it's just entertainment. We're not we're no energy you know? I like that. I made that one up. It's
0: sort of like that Charles Barkley, I'm not your role model or whatever. You're like, I'm not here for your entertainment. I'm here for your heart, your soul. Yeah, Yeah, there you go.
2: There you go. Okay.
0: Which is also entertaining, by the way, though. You are entertaining. Oh, thank
2: you. I said that a lot. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. My kids do not always agree. Yeah, well, they're not supposed to. (laughs) Yes, I know. So, American Wife, was it difficult to write? Was it cathartic? Like, which one flowed, you know, was there one that flowed more and took a bit you know more energy to write
0: American Spirit was the one that felt good to write the yes. other ones American Sniper and American Wife were really difficult so Memorial Edition of American Sniper was good because it was stories about Chris in the back that other people okay. didn't know and that was important to me that they saw that American Gun was Chris's book that he was working on before he died and that was painful because it should have been his and I was trying to finish it for him yeah um, but yeah, I mean, American Wife, it's funny because people do think that it should have been cathartic and it wasn't, it was painful. Both of those books were really painful. David Goggins, same thing. Like he said, my book, it's painful. It's painful to talk about, you know, it's not healing and you're, you're rehashing it, but it's important. It is important.
2: I'm laughing too. I was so curious how you're going to answer that because I, my book too, people are like, oh, it must've been so cathartic, right? I'm like, that book almost killed me to write. Yeah, exactly. But, but- yeah but I didn't, I so yeah. Out. but yeah, so no, and you're incredibly strong because Jim
0: DeFelice at the time that they wanted to put American wife out. I was like, there's, yeah. there's just simply no way I cannot do it. Right. And they were like, Taya, the time is now. And, and Jim said, just talk to me and I'll do it. And I, you know, I've, you've heard me say this before. I emotionally vomited on him. That's what I did. I sobbed and cried and he would call it a day. And he would sometimes, you know, he told me later, like I'd be crying and like really have a hard time. And sometimes he'd be like, that's, I think that's enough today. And I'd be like, I can keep going. And he'd be like, no, I think like the heaviness and the pain, yeah. you know, it was just, he's like, no, I'm going to do this for both of us. We're going to stop right now and we'll come That's back. You know?
2: Yeah, He's such a quiet, like soft-spoken guy too. Like powerhouse, I, I, but, but unassuming still waters, you know, and, yeah. and, and, but yeah, so I'm always like, I always feel like I just blubber and say the stupidest crap around him. I don't know why. I just that's can't. hilarious. You I'm don't. Like Le- and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is about him, but I just yeah, that's I, funny. Okay, you guys need to have a drink in New York next time, and it'll change. We got to change that. I just but turn into the biggest idiot, or I don't know. And I've I, never seen you be an idiot ever. Well, Watch me run Jim to fleece for five minutes. Okay. I'm like, it's like, I just okay. I can't We're going to fix it. that. Yeah. I don't that's know what changing. it is. So funny. All right. Um, what is something about you that most people don't know and you'd like them to know?
0: I have a wicked sense of humor. I love to laugh. I am telling humor, you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you and I, obviously we've had that from the beginning. But there were not a lot of opportunities for me to be funny with people. And yet people who know me well, I mean, I'm laughing like all the time. And Chris and I laughed all the time about the darkest stuff, but it was how we survived it. Right. Yes. And, um, I remember after American wife, I was like, can you just get me on like Jimmy Fallon or something? Someone that just, I mean, we don't have to talk about it. it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just play a game. Like he does stupid games all the time. Right. Don't have to talk about the heavy stuff. And they were like, um, yeah, we don't really know what to do with the widow. No, thanks. We're going to take a pass on that. You know? And I was like,
2: ah, I just want people to know I can it's laugh, but hard and upsetting. That's like, I don't cry yeah. all the time. You know what no, I mean? Right. No. But like, and especially, so you're out there almost like at, you're, you're the widow, you're and yes. widow, like that's yeah. it. And so people don't know, they just hear widow and they think like, I, and they're not being it's not that they're jerks or anything no. just that a lot of them are afraid they're like oh my gosh I can't joke around yes. her I can't I'm so sorry I laughed like I can't do this and they think like you're supposed to cry man I used to mess with people I used to mess oh with totally people. I did the mps at the trial I would just destroy them yeah like it's hilarious it okay. is hilarious when he- <laughs> okay so Travis Mills right he's yeah. he's you know yeah. how many
0: amputations is it three or four I mean he's the- Four. I, Four. I think he's yeah. quad, And yeah. he's like hilariously funny. So we were at this event for adaptive training foundation and he got up and he told these jokes that just slayed about being an amputee. And people were like, Oh, they were either howling or like awkward. Emotions, right? Yes. Yeah. And so before I went up, I'm like, Travis, nobody told me I could do jokes. Nobody. And I've been dying for this, but I did not know this is a joking event. I'm going to try to think of something. And he goes, just tell him the one about, you know, what do you call a guy with no arms, no legs swimming? Right. And it's Bob. And yeah. of course people have heard that one before. And I'm like, are you crazy, dude? I'm not going to get up and tell the amputee joke any more than you're going to get up and tell the <laughs> widow joke. You have to be one to make the joke or else it's yeah. like horrible, you know? I, that's not necessarily true, but I was just laughing going, that's it in a nutshell, yeah. right? Is that if you have your limbs blown off, is it funny? Absolutely not. Is it extraordinarily painful? 100%. Have you cried your eyes out and been depressed and not wanted to live? Absolutely. Okay. But can you find a way to laugh? You dang sure better. You know, yeah. you better because otherwise, you in my mind, you ain't going to make it. You better yeah. find a way to laugh at it because it's just life and it sucks and it's mm-hmm. not going to take away the suck. It just gives you a minute of reprieve.
2: Yeah. And it gives you, it just reboots you so you can like move. Like yeah. And just go, okay, maybe. It's, and you know, ER doctors, they oh, make Oh yeah. They're right. wicked, man. Right. Yeah.
0: They would be in the middle. Chris and his guys would be in the middle of a gunfight where they could lose their lives and they somebody would crack a joke. It is yeah. so healing and important. It's yeah. like a pressure valve release. Yep. If you don't do it. You feel like you're going to explode. So if you can make somebody laugh, I mean. Chad's wife and I used to make the girls so uncomfortable, like we'd go out to dinner or something. And, um, I mean, this is really bad, but they'd go, we, they said, we can't get a reservation. We're like, we'll talk to the concierge. You know, you go home to your husband, yeah. you, like that? <laughs> you know, I mean, just stupid stuff that they'd be like, that's yes. not funny. And Leanne and I'd be laughing going, nothing is funny about our lives. Nothing. No, it's but not. If we can just say something stupid that releases that pressure, maybe it's funnier, you know, maybe it's okay for a second.
2: I know when I'm a kid, and I'll, uh, after this one, I'll stop it now. You got me going. So my kids laugh. I had forgot. I told them this like years ago. You know, people would always be like, Oh, hi, Barb. What do you do? You know, what does your husband do? And I'd be like, Oh, my husband died. And they'd all feel terrible. And it was awkward. And I'm like, Finally, I got tired of making people feel awkward. And I'm like, well, My husband doesn't do anything. He just lays around a lot. You know, and I walked away. <laughs> oh my God. And that was <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> and I told my kids that, and they've never let me live that one down. But you know, like, what are you going to do? It's either painful, silence, yeah. everybody's uncomfortable, right. or you just say that. Yeah.
0: Come no,
2: on. no, no, no. Okay. Yeah. okay. Barbara Richardson, we featured her as well. She's amazing, by the way. She supports the troops. She works at Barclays, and she wanted to give back to the troops and started sending them care packages. She got Barclays to do a whole movement, a military oh, movement because yeah. of that. And she wants to, she says first that you are such an inspiration mm-hmm. for your strength and dedication to keep Chris's spirit alive. And then she wants to know, are your kids looking to follow in the footsteps of their dad in the military? Or you, and the amazing programs you're behind, like the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation, which I cannot believe I have not mentioned yet. So. Oh,
0: no, no, no. It's totally fine. I, I didn't okay. think about it, either, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> no, you know what? Uh, the kids are, they're doing amazingly well. They love the Frog Foundation, which of course is to support military and first responder marriages, which yes. we know then decreases suicide rate, drug and alcohol addiction, fights PTSD. All of that hap- is, is um, substantially decreased when we can keep that safe place safe. I sometimes I look at them both and I go I wonder if they will or they won't but like you I don't I don't make their plans you know what and I keep telling them just pray and go where God leads you because I can't be responsible for that nor do I want to be and I I acknowledge that they are not you know there's this old quote they your children come through you they're not of you like they're an independent spirit that has their own life plan and so my my whole goal is to keep them praying and knowing that God will lead them where they're supposed to go and that I pray they have the clarity to hear him And so with that, I don't know, but you know, I don't, I don't know. I really don't. It'll be interesting to see what happens. They're teenagers now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few years. But as you and I know, they could start with one path and change to a completely other one too.
2: Yeah. Awesome. All right. And then I would be absolutely remiss if I did not bring up our event next year, the great American summit in DC. We're just reaching out to venues now to lock those in, but um, a thank you. We're super excited that you're going to be emceeing it. I mean, I'm in and,
0: awe of you guys, like you and Dave, I mean, seriously, like <laughs> awe. you, I can't even imagine how you fit it all in. And also that you have this dream that you're not afraid to pursue and go, no, we are having an American summit. It's going to, it's people like you who seriously change the world because you're not oh, afraid please. to take that risk. No, oh, no,
2: I'm terrified, but I'm, but I'm doing it anyway. And you know what yeah. that is,
0: that is hugely courageous. Yeah. And you know, this, I mean, I've said this to you before. I look yeah. at you and go, dude, brave as all get out. Like I can't <laughs> imagine. So yeah, no, well, a-
2: we're we're very excited about that and super stoked. And like you said, you have a crazy sense of humor, so we're gonna just you can feel free to turn it into a roast MC. By the way, go ahead and <laughs> we'll you, just roast you. it. Um, but so it's centered on the American dream, right? We believe American dream is alive and well. We believe uh, people like Chris and and Lou and and all the people who serve give so much in service. To defend the American dream, both for people in this country and to provide it for people in the others. But it's different for everybody. And that's what's beautiful about it. There's no like one way to the American dream. So now I'm going to ask as we close up, what does the American dream mean to you?
0: Okay. Can I ask you a question first before Please. we close up? Okay. Okay. So I love what you said about the American summit first, like your dream and what you want people to, I'm sure you've talked about it on podcasts, but I want you to remind people right now. Cause like, I think that's actually really innovative and really needed what you, what this whole thing is about the American yeah. summit.
2: Yeah, it is. Um, oh, the Americans, the great American summit. Um, it's about a, it's Patriot. It's Patriot. It's pronged, right? Mm-hmm. We're passionate about patriotism. I think patriotism is common ground for people to stand on. It is one of the few common grounds. You're not going to get anybody to agree on religion or education or jobs or politics, right? But we can all agree that we're Americans and we live in this beautiful country. Flawed doesn't mean it's not beautiful. There's beauty and flaws too, and it's how you address it, right? So I think if we can just get back to that common ground as Americans and agree that we're Americans first, and then we're going to speak civilly to each other, I think it's just a collective boost of energy back into this country that's going to help and the american dream part of it is we're going to leave people with lessons everybody who speaks is going to teach a principle a lesson based on their own life their own experience and how people can tap into what the american dream means for them how to build it create it and help other people do the same and i think those two things mash together Mm -hmm. it's like patriot tour meets tony robbins like kind of thing, you know like (laughs) like, and it's freaking great um yes And because you
0: were saying like, we all, that's the early American, right? The dream was that you can be any, you get to be you the way God created you and make a difference in this world. Like that's, that's the cool thing. And so that summit, I think reminds people, wait a minute, we're not subjected to just have to go to like, you know, Walmart and Home Depot and our life is this, we, we are created uniquely and there's still that opportunity to create something that's your vision in this world. And I think we need to be reminded because it does seem daunting. I mean, everybody can advertise nationwide, internationally. And you think, is there really room for my dream? Is there really room for me to, to make an impact? And I think you and I know with American snippets and American spirit, the impact happens when you just do one right thing after another. Yeah. But that American spirit to me is like, ignite that, see the possibilities almost, right? Like you're going to see the possibilities of you being you and living this dream and that you can do it. Regard, Stop listening to like, everybody else you know people are gonna inspire them like you said Tony Robbins meets Patriot Tour meets the old pioneering spirit almost right it's still here
2: yeah I love it and I'm and this is why we asked you to be a part of it because we knew you would get it we knew you do get it and we knew you're gonna bring like some crazy life to it too but yeah like everybody this country is amazing we have so many opportunities I think we have a responsibility to avail ourselves of those opportunities and this summit is going to just kind of Cut through all the all that reasons why people like think that they just can't. You know, there's so right. many reasons people think they can't. Right, um, but there's more reasons that you can. It's yeah. just, it's it's hard, right? Well, you're so, the, your um, child for that. You really are. Yeah. I mean, I look at you
0: and I go, you had four little boys, yeah. and your world was turned upside down. There is no plan. There is no map, and you have gone through hell and back. And you're here. I mean, you're starting a freaking podcast with an eagle behind your head and like the professional (laughs) equipment and like getting these badass interviews. Not with me. I'm saying with like uh, other people that are awesome and you like, and then you're going to do this great American summit in DC. And it's like, dude, if, I mean, Barb Allen, like this is, this is so different than what you would have envisioned, but there's something in you that got stoked that said you can survive that you can do other things. And I feel like that gives me chills just thinking about cause you, you seriously there, you couldn't find a better poster child than you to say you have horses and dogs and cars that break down and kids who are like teenagers and young adults. And you know, you have the courage to love again with Dave and to be this business partnership. And I mean, it's just truly like, there's nothing you don't do. And I've watched you tackle some things and I'm like, you got in touch with that person. Like you just reached out and you know, you're like, yes, like this is, this is, you know, I'm a patriot and I'm a badass and I'm still a mom who's funny and like going through hell sometimes. It's like, yeah, you're the poster child. Work on your like sexy poses for the poster, please. You know, uh, oh, uh, you can
2: teach me about that. You can Oh, no,
0: I can't. No, that. absolutely. We'll find somebody who can, but yeah, not me <laughs> for sure.
2: All right, man. tay Kyle, I know you have some kind of meeting to get to. I know I my friend Bob Vincent's going to be there. He told me that. So oh. um, yeah. So and I'm sorry, I tell Stuart, I'm sorry for keeping you and making you late. But He knows better, Robert. It's my <laughs> fault. You've been trying to help me wrap up for a long time. And I'm like, no, let's just talk. All right. So thank you so much for taking okay. the time to be with us today. We are looking forward to everything to come. And um, I will see you in New York next month, in a few weeks. Yay, I can't wait. And we're gonna have a drink with Jim D. Fleece. Okay, oh God, okay. All right, <laughs> see, I'm like nervous, okay. No, oh, no, you're brave. We got this. <laughs> All right, thanks, Dave. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Bye, Bye thanks.
1: All right, everyone. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'd like to personally thank Taya Kyle for being here as well and sharing her story with us. If you got any value out of today's episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share this episode with a friend. Share it on social media, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Twitter. Don't forget you can watch the full video interview on our YouTube channel at American Snippets. We publish a lot of content there that we don't necessarily publish here on our podcast. And you can uh, also go to americansnippets.com forward slash 100, see the full video interview, read the featured article that we did on Taya. And we'll also throw in some links there that you can use to follow Taya on social media as well. Uh, And don't forget, Taya Kyle is actually emceeing our first-ever live event called the Great American Summit in April of 2020. If you want to learn more about how to attend, go to greatamericansummit.com. And don't forget, on July 3rd, uh, Barbara Allen is going to be with Taya Kyle on the Today Show talking about her new book, American Spirit. Uh, Barbara is one of the featured... Uh, stories in the book, along with uh, I think about 30 other stories as well. So don't forget July 3rd. Tay Kyle and Barbara Allen on the Today Show. And uh, we appreciate you being here today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are.